So, well, it's great to be here. In fact, Manchester's my hometown in some ways. I, grew, I lived in Manchester from when I was about seven to when I was about 23 or something. So it's always nice to come back. And my mum still lives here and one sister. So um, it's also lovely to be here with this Amitabha shrine, actually, holding the lotus. Amitabha's my sadhana practice, and it's such a beautiful um, rupa. It's lovely. So what I'm going to do today is, um, is explore self-meta a little bit. And the way we're going to do that is start with a short sit, probably for about, well, for about 15 minutes. Then I'll talk for around about 20, 25 minutes, and then there'll be a chance for a discussion. Um, the last time I came, I'd kind of prepared a talk, and I found myself standing up here kind of giving a talk, and it didn't feel like it really worked, really, because it's lovely that this is quite an intimate space. So I hoped that we could kind of uh, do stuff together. And actually... The reason I decided to choose self-meta to explore is that I've been having a bit of a bad time with it over the summer, and it just thought I can give some of my ideas, and it'd be great to hear other people's ideas as well. But we'll start with a short sit, so if you want to get whatever you need for that. Okay, so as I said, I chose self-meta just as something, because um, it's something I need to come back to again and again. And... Um, yeah, well, we hear how important meta is, again, very often, and um, I'll start with a quote from Sangharachita. So, feeling meta for oneself is the keystone of contentment, and when you are contented, you can maintain your equanimity no matter in what circumstances you find yourself. So, feeling meta for oneself is the keystone of contentment. Another quote from Bhante. You simply cannot develop much loving kindness towards anyone else if you are on bad terms with yourself. So you can't develop much loving kindness for anyone else if you're not getting on with yourself. So, sometimes though, my experience has been that um, self-met has been quite hard to access. And I think that's very much true um, quite a few years ago. But this year, in the summer, I had a bit of a mega self-meta fail it felt like I found myself in quite a difficult place um, and it was triggered by such a small thing really I was responsible for a festival at Sheffield Buddha Centre and it kind of went a bit wrong a little bit wrong and a few people whose opinion I value didn't really like what had gone on and, um, and lots of other people quite liked it actually but it's quite a small thing so a few people didn't like what I'd done and I just found myself going whoosh just really into this really hard difficult place much more than the situation demanded if you see what I mean it was like a few people didn't like what I was doing and I just went really down actually and I sort of recognised that state of just being real lack of self-confidence a lot of doubt doubt in myself doubt in what I was doing um, a lot of self-criticism just finding being with myself really uncomfortable. So my experience of myself was really uncomfortable. It's like I really wasn't on good terms with myself. I was on bad terms with myself. And um, I think I've kind of come out the other side of that now quite a lot, which is good. But I just wanted to explore it a bit and see what had helped. And in some ways, this is almost like a little um, note to myself in the future. If I ever find myself there again, what are some of the things that help? And I thought afterwards it would be great to hear what other people's thoughts are as well. I have heard that some people don't get this, this sensation, this experience of kind of losing confidence, feeling like a lack of self-meta. And if you are one of those people, that's great. <laughs> this might just be helpful when you come across people who do experience that. <laughs> might, 
be able to help them. <laughs> okay. So the trouble is, when I was in that experience, it's really not easy to, uh, to skip perspective. So if quite a few people said to me, well, what you need is you need more self-meta, which was just really frustrating because I just couldn't access any at all. It's like, um, you know, I didn't know where to start. And then um, I also realised that, of course, that kind of feeling of having, like, very... Uh, being all caught up in how dreadful I was feeling, in a way, my kind of lack of confidence, is actually a form of conceit, isn't it? It's about being self-obsessed. It's as, it's as much a form of conceit as being... thinking, I'm brilliant, you know, everybody look at me kind of thing. But actually, hearing that it was a selfish emotion kind of didn't help either, because it just, you know, it was another thing to kind of just hit myself with. So... So I thought we'd start with, um, you know, why do we need self-meta at all? And um, to start with what meta is, just to go back to that. So I'm sure, as you all know, it's, um, it's boundless, unconditional love, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? I think I was thinking, well, so what does boundless really mean in my experience? So boundless goes beyond. There's nowhere where it would stop. There's nothing that would get in the way. Like the, um, the light of Amitabha, it, is, uh, it can go everywhere. And unconditional, so not dependent on um, what somebody's doing. So not dependent on what I'm doing, actually. Whether I've messed up a festival or not, it doesn't really matter. The meta could be there, whatever. Um, the aim to develop loving kindness for all living beings. And to kind of train ourselves. I see doing the meta bhavna is training myself to develop an immediate response of love for whoever I meet. And to wish for their well-being, both on a mundane level but also on a deeper level as well, that they're, um, they're able to access what they need. So Bhante calls it an ardent well-wishing. He also says, um, metta includes the desire to act on our positive feelings, to do something practical to help the object of our metta to be happy, to look after their welfare and encourage their growth and progress so far as lies in our power. So I think that's really interesting. If I thought... If I was treating myself like that, so the desire to um, do something practical to help me to be happy, to look after my welfare, encourage my growth and progress, that's quite strong actually to me. It'd be like, what would it be like if I was really living from that place? And of course, um, we don't just, uh, the reason for self-meta is not just so that we feel great or happy, it's so actually that we're in a strong enough place to be able to help others, that we have enough resources that we can give to others. And I suppose a problem with meta would be if it all becomes, it's all about me. In fact, that's not true meta, is it? That wouldn't be, you know, that's not the best thing for me in the long run, is not to be kind of just concerned about my welfare at all. Yeah. So um, I thought it was interesting that um, Banti also says that a meta is a rational emotion. Some of this is from Living with Kindness, which is, if you haven't um, read it, it's a really great book. It was lovely to be able to revisit it, actually, when I was thinking about this. Um, I think um, just a real sense of kindness and meta from Banti really comes across in the book, which is really lovely. So, um, and he says, yes, Bant is a rational emotion. And um, because meta is the appropriate and adequate response to other human beings when we meet or think of them. So it's not an unusual thing. It's a kind of natural way for us to be, actually, would be that we would meet everybody with meta, including ourselves. But that's not easy. It's not easy when, you're, when I'm caught up in this kind of strange state of feeling 
um, I suppose, worthless, uh, very lacking in confidence, uh, very critical. So um, I'll just go through some of the ways that um, I think I can help myself with that. So the first is actually um, in the beginning of the Karaniya Metta Sutta. So it's how we live. So um, in this translation of the Karaniya Metta Sutta, the um, translation is, um, if you know what is truly good for you and want to reach a state of perfect peace, then this is how you need to live. Start by becoming a capable person who is honest and straightforward, gently spoken, flexible and not conceited. Then become contented and happy with few worries and a simple life. Have your sense experience calm and controlled. Have respect for others. Avoid greed and craving. Don't be influenced by the ways of the world. And don't do anything unworthy that wiser people would criticise. So I think there's a lot in there, a lot in there. But for me, I think what's really helpful is um, actually, if we are acting ethically, then it's going to be easier and more straightforward to, um, to feel meta for ourselves, actually. Because hopefully we can look at what we're doing and we can see that there isn't, you know, we are being as skillful as we can. And um, I find it really helpful to um, use the precepts as a guide. And a bit like, I don't know if you've done confession practice, um, you can use the precepts as a guide to kind of go, so I feel like I've maybe done something unskillful, but I'm going to use the precepts and say, well, which precept did I break, actually? And um, that can be really helpful because sometimes I, I feel uncomfortable about my behaviour, but actually I haven't broken a precept at all. What I've done probably is found myself blown around by the worldly winds, the eight worldly winds. So in my case with the uh, messed up festival, it wasn't that bad actually, but uh, with the festival, it went a bit wrong. Um, I looked at it and I thought, I haven't done anything eth unethical, actually. If I look at what happened, this kind of bad feeling, this vague, this, this all-encompassing but kind of um, difficult-to-get-my-hands-on feeling of feeling bad is not to do with remorse, which is a useful thing. It's not to do with having done anything unskillful. I'm caught up in praise and blame. That's what it is. It's praise and blame that I'm feeling uncomfortable with. And um, I'm wanting... I'm getting blame, I suppose, and I'm really wanting praise, and I'm not getting that. And um, actually what I'm feeling is a much, um, it's not remorse, it's something about a feeling of kind of, I suppose, some old samskara that's been triggered about if people don't say nice things to me, if I'm not getting praise, then I might fall apart. It felt quite strong in that way, actually, uh, like something perhaps I'd experienced as a little child. Just like, and it was really good to be able to look at the precepts with some friends and go, I haven't done anything unskillful, so this is something, I need to look at this in a different way. So I think having the precepts as a guide, having, um, thinking which, uh, which of the eight worldly winds might you be being blown around about can be really helpful. Another thing, actually, as I said, I, I was obviously a scar as that were being triggered. And actually, we can just have a habit. It's just a habit that we've just got in this rut. Of that's the way when things are hard, we, we go into. And um, Banshee talks about that quite a lot. It's just a, a habit of self-deprecation, he calls it. And um, I think a way that's really good to break that habit is that it is fine to reflect on our qualities and our ethical behaviour, including our generosity. And there's a lovely story that you might have heard, but I shall tell it again from the Pali Canon, about um, somebody called Visaka. 
And um, so Visaka was um, very generous at the time of the Buddha. And what she did was she gave, um, she gave food to the nuns and the monks. And she gave clothing, robes and things like that. She made a bathing place for the nuns so they didn't have to get bothered by other people. And um, the Buddha said to her, so, you know, you're so generous. Why do you do this? You know, what do you get out of it? And she said, well, she heard, you know, that she'd hear of... Um, so monks and nuns would come together, I think, for the rainy season, and then they'd go off. And she'd hear of such and such a person that they'd become a stream entrant or a once-returner. And she'd think, oh, I remember the time I gave that person some food or some medicine. I remember when I gave them some robes. And um, she'd think, I've contributed, my generosity has contributed to this person's spiritual development, as opposed to the growth of good in the world. And... Um, when she reflected on that, she says that um, great delight arose in her. And then jo- joy, not joy, joy arose in her mind that was delighted. And when the mind was joyful, the body relaxes. When the body relaxes, there is a sense of ease. When there is a sense of ease, it helps you to be concentrated. And this helps the development of the spiritual faculty, faculties, the spiritual powers, and the factors of enlightenment. So, in fact, by, um, by reflecting on her generosity, she entered into a, spiritual, uh, into a spiral path. Okay? So one thing just naturally was flowing from the other. So um, it can be a kind of cultural thing that we find it very difficult to uh, reflect on our qualities that, and the generosity we have or other qualities that we have, perhaps our kindness, um, what we do for other people. But I think there's nothing wrong with that, actually. And I think if it means that we do end up on a spiral path with um, great delight and joy arising in us and our mind becoming concentrated, that's a really good thing to do. Yeah, it's the antidote, I think, an antidote for not um, appreciating ourselves. And actually, when she told that to the Buddha, he said, um, sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. So he obviously thought it was a really good idea as well. So I suppose, um, you know, my experience actually over the summer was I was carrying on my work at the Buddhist Centre in Sheffield, and I was getting people telling me all these things, how their lives were changing, but I was just letting it go whoosh like that. I wasn't hearing any of it or taking any of it in. And you will be having that experience here, I'm sure, as well. And however you're involved, you know, you will, you're giving in different ways and people are benefiting from that. Your practice will be benefiting people at your work, in your home. And sometimes it's just good perhaps to take a bit of time to reflect on that and just think of the qualities of the, the good that you're contributing to that is arising in the world. Okay, so um, a third thing I think I need to do is to just check my thinking. You know, the thinking that was going on when I was in that state was based on some kind of views that just didn't stand up if they were challenged. Um, yeah. Why do I want to feel meta for all beings but kind of can't do it for myself? That's really strange. I'm just a being, just like everybody else, just as worthy of meta as everybody else. Um, the fact that I'm even wanting to wish meta for all beings is in itself something worth rejoicing in, actually. You know, it's quite a... To think that we sit down and we do the fourth stage of the meta bhavna, where we bring to mind someone we find difficult, that's actually quite a radical thing to do, that quite a lot of people out there in the streets of Manchester right now just wouldn't even... They'd think that was a really weird thing to do. So the fact that we even want to do that in itself is something worth reflecting on. Um, yeah... I realise that when I'm in that state, I talk to myself with very crit- a very critical voice. 
a very critical voice. And actually, to meet my own suffering with kindness is really helpful. And um, I think if this is a, a something, a tendency that you fall into as well when, when you're stressed, it can be really hard to get out of it and to notice it. But I think being able to just kind of go, gosh, I'm feeling quite a lot of suffering now. I really want to have some praise and I'm not getting it. I'm getting blame. That's a really hard place to be and wish myself well because of that is quite a good thing. Today, I, um, as well as doing this, I'd also booked myself into an induction section at a gym, and I found myself going, well, that's really stupid, isn't it? You know, I mean, you've got to do this. You've got to go to Manchester, and now you've organised this other thing for yourself as well. And then I thought, hang on. <laughs> it's like, it's great. You know, it's great. I want to go to the gym, and I want to get myself a bit fitter. That's a really good thing to do. Okay, I could have timed my timings a bit better, but, you know, just like a bit of kindness there just helped me really to feel quite different about it. Yeah. And I suppose also there was a kind of, um, you know, there's views there about my self-worth being dependent on what I can do rather than just, you know, all human beings are worthy, all beings, all sentient beings are worthy of compassion, are worthy of metta. It doesn't matter whether we do things well or not. You know, some of my false thinking there was about thinking that I really need to do things in a certain way. And actually at that time, I think, you know, the basics of self-care, like going to the gym, weren't happening. And I think they're not a luxury. And I think when times are hard, it's just a really kind of, like, it's a different niyama, isn't it? It's like we need to work on the physical niyama as well as our psychological niyama and the, and the dharma niyama. And we need to make sure we're having enough sleep and that we're getting enough exercise and eating well, or else we can't, you know, um, it has an effect. Yeah. There's a quote from Sangrachita, actually, which I didn't manage to pull out, but something about, you know, human beings need pleasure, they need light, they need um, friendships. There's a lot of things we need as human beings, and if we're not getting those, we are going to start to feel, find life difficult and find it difficult to have meta, actually, for ourselves and for other people. Another thing for me was to see things from a bigger perspective. So it's this thing about, um, you know... I'm just the product, I'm the product of my conditions. All these conditions have taken place that mean that I feel like this. I can somehow get a bigger perspective by stepping back. Sometimes I can do that for other people, but I do it for myself is, is good as well. And just think, these are the conditions that have come together. I can put in place other conditions and things can change. And then um, something for me about turning to something bigger. So it's a bit like I tried to kind of work it out on its own level. Um, I suppose on a psychological kind of niyama and then um, I realised that I, I turned to something bigger to Amitabha I, that was tremendously helpful and interestingly it wasn't my first response sadly what I wanted to do was withdraw a bit from my practice it's like I wanted to stop meditating I wanted to kind of have fun <laughs> which is fine as well but um, luckily I was recently on a uh, the women's convention and there were days for each number of figures, like for um, the, for, there was a day for Mandrashri, a day for Avlokiteshra, and there was an Amitabha day. And through various circumstances, I ended up giving a talk about Amitabha, and it was the biggest gift, because I wanted, that. I thought what I was going to do was spend a week at, at Adistana, lying by my tent in the sun, just kind of chilling out, and actually... To have to reconnect with Amitabha was fantastic because it was a bit like I realised all that he could give me, the richness that he could give me. So if you do have a connection with a figure like that or perhaps with a, some kind of um, a piece of dharma or something, I think it's good to, think, to turn to that when things are going difficult. And of course Amitabha... 
Well, he just, he gives meta. That's what he does. So in a way, I don't then need to be kind of trying to find self-meta. I can open out into his meta. Just as if you were to think of the Buddha as well. You don't need to do it for yourself. You can just open out and receive the meta that is there already. And I suppose, just to sum up, I'm going to finish by reading the whole of the Karanaya Metta Sutta, but just to um, say a little bit more, is that um, in a way what I needed to do was get over myself, but in the kindest possible way. Okay, So it was a bit like I got really caught up in all this kind of stuff about how dreadful I was feeling, and I needed Metta to get out of that. But what I needed to do was somehow get over that bit of me that was so kind of um, sticky and um, forming such a strong kind of locked sense. I'm not explaining that very well, I don't think. And there was something about all those different things I talked about could relax that a little bit and then turning to Amitabha could allow that to, to go. So, yeah. I think that's what I'd want to have for myself in the future when this happens again. <laughs> But um, I'll finish with the Karen Metta Sutta because it's so beautiful, and then we can um, maybe have a discussion. If you know what is truly good for you and want to reach a state of perfect peace, then this is how you need to live. Start by becoming a capable person who is honest and straightforward, gently spoken, flexible, and not conceited. Then become contented and happy, with few worries and a simple life. Keep your sense experience calm and controlled. Have respect for others. Avoid greed and craving. Don't be influenced by the ways of the world, and don't do anything unworthy that wiser people would criticise. Then you should meditate like this, thinking, May all beings be happy and secure. May all beings be happy in their heart of hearts. May all living things be well, the weak and the strong, the small and the large, those near and those far away, those you can see and those you can't, whether living or yet to be born. May all beings be happy in their heart of hearts. May no one deceive or look down on another. May no one be angry with another. May no one react to another. May no one want another to suffer. Just as a mother cherishes her child, her only child, develop an unlimited heart of friendliness for all beings. Develop an unlimited heart of friendliness for the whole universe, sending love and goodwill in all directions, above, below and all around, beyond all narrowness, beyond all rivalry, beyond all hatred. Whether you are at home or travelling, whether you are standing, sitting or in bed, in all your hours rest in this state of mind, which is like living in heaven right here and now. In this way, you will leave all wrong views far behind. You will experience the spiritual insight that is beyond words and concepts. And going completely beyond craving, you will be liberated from the wheel of samsara forever. <laughs>